Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, all you wonderful, wonderful F1 fans around the world. If you're hearing my name, that can only mean two things. One, that my name is Kelsey, and two, you are listening to the newest edition of F101. And as always, we're going to get into the hot topics for this episode. Now, before we get into it, I want you to think back. As a sports fan myself, you have a tendency to remember very historic things in the sports that you enjoy. Sometimes a nation remembers a sporting event, where they were when they heard a news, like Wayne Gretzky getting traded from the Oilers to the Kings, or the first time your favorite team won the Super Bowl or when your favorite Olympian won a gold medal. Today is definitely one of those days in the world of Formula One. You will remember where you were at when you heard the news and leading our hot topics today, where you were when Lewis Hamilton released his statement that he will no longer be driving for Mercedes, that he will be now driving for the Scuderia Ferrari in 2025. Yes, that is right, folks. Lewis Hamilton no longer a silver arrow after the 2024 season. He is moving on to Ferrari. No definite reports on how long he will be at Ferrari, how long his contract is worth, I should say. Uh, there's been a couple of speculations that his contract is two years plus a possible one-year extension. Uh, there's been some places that say it's a five-year extension, that it is worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Ferrari has not released a statement on how long his actual contract is or how much it is worth. Neither has Mercedes. They've both just stated that as of 2024, after the 2024 season, that Lewis Hamilton will be driving for Ferrari. So let's dive into this. Uh, let me know your thoughts, comments leave them let me know if you think this is a good idea if this is a bad idea for lewis hamilton and we're going to get right into it right now anybody who's watched formula one for any significant amount of time or even a very short amount of time knows that when lewis hamilton does something he does it for a reason he's been in the sport for you know 12 years plus going into his 13th or 14th season he's won seven world championships eight constructors championships so it's very easy to say that he knows his way around an F1 track, around an F1 car, also around an F1 team. So when he makes a big decision like this, it can mean a couple of things. One that immediately pops to my mind is that he no longer has faith in the team that he is in. He has been with Mercedes for the last 12 years. Not exactly the last two years, the type of career that you want to remember. Yes, Lewis Hamilton is getting a little bit on the older side. Uh, rumors of his retirement have been running rampant for the last several years. Will he be able to win his eighth championship? Is this just time for him to just kind of drive off into the sunset, forget about F1 and continue on with all the other interests that he has? Does F1 even want Lewis Hamilton anymore? Obviously, yes, they do. All these things taking into consideration, you know that whatever decision he made, he didn't make it lightly and he definitely has his reasons for it. Now, I don't think that, personally, I don't think he's lost faith in Mercedes F1. I think when 
you look back at the information from how Mercedes did last year compared to how Ferrari did, even the beginning, the middle, and the last part of the season, they were relatively on the same trajectory. They weren't exactly the same type of team, but albeit sometimes bad luck or bad consistency or even good consistency for shorter amounts of time, Ferrari seemed to be a little bit more consistent. <laughs> I like using that word today. They seem to be a little bit more consistent than Mercedes. They also seem to grasp what they got wrong a lot faster than Mercedes has as well. And by that, I mean, when you look at the Mercedes season in 2023, they would have massive improvement and then fall behind. They would podium and then be out of the top 10. It was not, and it, this would go on for weeks at a time, races at a time. They'd figure something else out and then it would go drastically wrong or they would get eliminated in a, in a, in a controversial way. And just, it never seemed to swing their way. And now in sports, you don't always have good luck, no matter what team you're on, how much you get paid or how much the team is worth. That's just kind of a given. It levels out the playing field to a certain extent. But when it came to Mercedes, it just seemed like they weren't heading in the proper direction that they needed to go in. It seemed like since 2021, when Max won his very first championship, that it was almost like the giant didn't know what to do once it fell over. It just kind of rolled around helpless for a bit. It got a little bit of traction, but it didn't know what to do. It didn't know how to recover. And Lewis Hamilton, he tried his best. He gives his opinions. He, I mean, he's designed the steering wheel that's in the Mercedes car, for Christ's sake. The man knows what he's doing. It just seemed like he was damned if he did and he damned if he didn't. And when you look at the no side pod fiasco, it seemed that might have been the final nail in the coffin for Hamilton, whether he wanted to admit it or not. Yes, you want to save face for your team. You want to say that you like the team that you're on and you're always going to try your best. And, you know, you have faith in the team that they're going to come back and win races. But realistically, Mercedes did recover from that. But I don't think in time for Hamilton to stick around. Now, you're thinking, well, Hamilton still has another year in his contract. How could he be able to just, hey, at the end of the season, I'm I'm leaving. Hamilton had a, uh, a contract extension option. He also had a break option in his contract. Now, for those of you who don't know, a break contract is after a certain amount of time, let's say three years, if the team is not heading in the right direction or the direction that the driver does not think is beneficial for their career, they have kind of a get-out-of-jail-free get card. You can break your contract and go to somewhere else if they'll take you for no penalties. You're not going to get punished. You're not going to lose any money, anything like that. Hamilton has decided to exercise this break in his contract. And after, again, the 2024 season, he's going to Ferrari for 25. I think this was a massive gain for Ferrari. I think this was also a massive loss for Mercedes. But my automatic reaction is that he's not making the right career decision. Obviously, he's a seven-time world championship champion driver and I'm a podcaster. So let's break this down a little bit more. I think the developmental line that Mercedes is taking is more consistent because they've learned from their mistakes opposed to where Ferrari is heading. They're both heading in the right direction. I think Mercedes is going to get there faster. They have a tendency to learn from their mistakes from my point of view and from my observation a little bit faster than Ferrari does. Ferrari's issues generally don't come with the car itself. 
They had a couple issues with the engines a couple seasons ago. They got that all that fixed and tweaked in that season. That's great. What Ferrari lacks is the 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 co um consistency in their strategies when it comes to the drivers. Ferrari can be a one-two driver friendly type of team. They sometimes work together in the benefit of the team. But that's not always the case. I would say that's less than 50%. As evidenced in the 23, 22, and 21 seasons, they have a tendency to massively, and I mean massively, fuck up their strategies at the most inopportune time. Whether it's the wrong tires coming into pit at the wrong time, and every single team does this, or ignoring the most obvious strategy of letting one driver pass the other one. And this is what Hamilton is inheriting. But at the same time, Hamilton wants performance. He wants a chance to win his eighth championship. So for him to make this massive decision to go from Mercedes to Ferrari, obviously he has seen some part of the developmental program that Ferrari is heading in that he thinks is a massive advantage over Mercedes. Now, is it going to be fast enough for him to win his eighth over Max? I I don't know. I don't think so. But then again, we've got new regulations coming in in 26. So you don't really know where each car is going. They're also not allowed to keep working on their cars for the 2026 regulations. So that's it kind of levels the playing field there. But Hamilton has must have seen something, whether it's new pieces, the direction the team is going. Maybe he was promised something. Maybe he was going to get all the upgrades first and Leclerc was going to get nothing. You know, we just don't know at this point. But obviously there was something that would lure him away from Mercedes to Ferrari. I hope it works out for him. I really do. But I don't think personally this is the right part. This is the right career change for him. Now, with Hamilton going to Ferrari next season, this also brings up some massive, massive questions. First one, right off the top of the head, right off the bat, who's replacing Hamilton in Mercedes? And where's Carlos Seitz going? He has no contract now. At the end of 24, it's when his contract's up. He was in that massive pool of 15 drivers that didn't have a contract. Leclerc got a contract extension until 2029. And then there was nothing about sites, nothing at all, no peep, no suggestion, no nothing. That obviously set this kind of trade up where they were just buying time to woo Hamilton over. You don't offer the sacrificial lamb another day in the sunlight if you don't need him. So, Carlos, fantastic time in Ferrari. Your time is done. Where is he going to go now? He does have a massive amount of options. But for a talented driver like him, it drastically narrows the choices down for him and who his other driver mate is going to be. On the flip side, who's replacing Hamilton? Who is going to step into the Mercedes seat? Is it a driver that we have on the grid now? Or are we going to bring somebody up that we've seen as a reserve driver that deserves a massive chance? Is a lower end driver, let's say, I don't care, lower end is not the right term. That's that's. A lower grid team driver deserves a chance and let's be honest, a top three team car. First name that pops to mind that I would absolutely love to see. If the F1 gods are listening, please listen to this. Put Danny Rick in a Mercedes. 
bring the honey badger, bring that smile to Mercedes. Him driving with George Russell, I think is a fantastic combination. Let's, let's be serious here. Mercedes is going to take a popularity hit once Hamilton's gone. How do you replace the eyes and how do you replace the merchandise money that's walking away with Hamilton? You bring in arbi- arguably the most fan-loved driver you have on the grid. You bring in Danny Rick. He sells merch no matter where he goes. He sells tickets no matter where he goes. Everybody loves him. And what's not to love? I think he deserves a shot. He's stuck in Visa right now. Granted, it is his second season back. It will be his first season. Granted, he doesn't get injured again in an F1 car after he had his little uh, wrist-breaking incident last season and his little sabbatical from McLaren. I think just on his merits alone, his drive, his determination, that he deserves to be in the conversation to take that seat that will be vacant in Mercedes. Again, so where do you put Carlos Sites? Do you... Put him in where Danny Rick used to be? Do you put him in Visa? Mm, I don't think that's a good fit for him. It's too high of a caliber driver for such a low caliber team. You need a top five grid driver to be in a top five grid team. Visa is not there yet. I don't think they will be for quite a while, but hey, who knows? Do you give him a year off? See what the driver landscape looks like and then he comes back fresh? Will that help him? Will that hinder him? I think he needs to stay in the game. I think he needs. I think his head needs to stay in the game because he's going to have something to prove to the team that dumped him for Lewis Hamilton. You know where I would love to see Carlos Sites? I think he needs a developmental challenge. I think he also needs to be with a bit of a countryman as a second driver. Again, if the F1 gods are listening, it is this humble podcaster's request that you team up Fernando Alonso and Carlos Seitz at Aston Martin. Get rid of Lance Stroll. Kick Kick the baby out. Get rid of Stroll. Put him in Visa. Let him just kind of play by himself in Visa. Let him do what he wants to do. Put Carlos Seitz, Fernando Alonso together, and Aston Martin. That will be a duo that will be hands down one of the hardest teams to beat the pedigree the experience the sponsorship money they're going to bring to aston martin for new development a different way of looking at the car you've got a veteran in what would arguably be arguably be seat number one you've got fernando we know where he sits you need a fresh mind you need a fresh point of view but an experienced point of view and aston martin get rid of lance stroll He's fucking useless. He doesn't, he he can't be there anymore. He's only hurting the team. This might be the perfect opportunity to kick the kid out. You bring Carlos Seitz in, a different point of view. He's got more races than you can count. I think that would be a fantastic advantage for Aston Martin for 2025. I really hope that these prayers hear someone important and that this happens for the calendar. I really do. Or maybe we see Mercedes pick up Fernando Alonso instead. Give George Russell another little bit of boost. Because we all know how Fernando drives. He's a fantastic defensive driver. Give him a brand new car. Give him a nice upgraded car. See what he does with that. I bet he would be dominant for half the season. And then what do you do with that empty seat? Then you again, you bring Carlos Seitz in. You bring him into, 
you bring him into Aston Martin. Maybe you need that little bit of experience. But at this case, with this massive bombshell that no one expected to see coming, who knows what the driver market's going to look like. I mean, two weeks from now, let alone two, three, four, five months from now, it's, it's totally up, totally up in the wind. What else is also up in the wind that no one knows is when Hamilton leaves, who's going with him from Mercedes? Are some engineers going to follow him? Is, I mean, Hamilton's got friends everywhere. Everybody loves Hamilton. Everybody that, from what I've heard and, and all the reporters and all the articles that I've read, almost everybody at Mercedes loves Lewis Hamilton that has worked with him. There's not very many that don't. So when he leaves to Ferrari, is it going to be a mass exodus from Mercedes to Ferrari? Is Total Wolf going to be, and don't forget, Total Wolf just signed another three-year extension. Now, whether he saw this coming or not, he's not going to be pleased. Can Total Wolf close the floodgates fast enough to stop the exodus that may or may not come when Hamilton leaves? This could absolutely be devastating for Mercedes. When a big name leaves, it has a tendency to just start that slight ripple effect where all of a sudden you see some familiar voices or you see some familiar names, you hear some familiar voices on F1 TV, all of a sudden they're in Ferrari red. They're not in the Mercedes silver. What's going to happen with that? Again, total speculation. Nothing could happen or the entire company could implode. You just never know until the beginning of 2025. And also, how is Mercedes going to play this in the season? Are you still going to upgrade Lewis Hamilton's car? Or are you going to give George Russell all the updates? Is it going to be delayed? Do you ignore the seven-time champion going, well, you're done at the end of this year, so we're going to concentrate on the guy that we have a contract with who is the new number one driver? Are they going to kick him to the curb? I don't think they're going to just from the exact history that they have, but the way that Mercedes handles this, they have to be very, very careful for any future considerations from big-name drivers or sponsors in the world of F1. And with all of this being said, with all of the hype and the call for that he's going to win his eighth championship in Ferrari, if that's realistic or not, who knows? We just don't know at this point. There's always one more factor that everybody has to keep in mind whether they want to admit it or not. Even if his contract is two years plus one, or it could be just a one-year contract. They say it's for multiple years, but I mean, if you count 25, okay, that's one year. If you do 26, that's two years. Okay, that's multiple years. Is Lewis Hamilton at this point just politically or just mindfully treading water with another team until he sees what Audi can do for the first year or two years? Is he just setting himself up where he can just be like, well, you know... I'm a little older and maybe Ferrari's not quite the right fit. Hey, sorry guys, I'm going to try my luck with Audi. And then all of a sudden he's got brand new facilities, brand new car, brand new team, everything that he can kind of build in his own image from the ground up to a certain extent. Is this just him treading water until 26 or 27 when Audi's in? You just, you never know. I would like to think that that's not the case. But this is Formula One. You have absolutely no, again, you have no idea what they're thinking. I do think to a certain extent that he is testing himself in another team 
to set himself up for a brand new team further on down the road. Now, whether it's Audi or another team, and we're going to get into the other team aspect. It's the other big news just after this. Maybe he's just setting himself up, testing himself to see, hey, am I too old to kind of start from scratch in a new team? Or do I need to stay with an established team that has strategies that work, that will work for me? But hey, we still have to get to the 2024 season. It hasn't even started yet, and we're already looking to 25. This is going to be a very, very interesting season. We move from a topic that has some devastating news for fans and for some sponsors, and now we're moving into devastating news, in my opinion, that is just devastating for the entire F1 community, for the FIA, and for motorsport, all because of greed and being self-conscious and being scared, in my opinion, of competition. F1 has rejected Andretti's bid to be the 11th team in the 2026 season. It makes, there's a whole press release and we'll get into the points that they make. For me, this makes absolutely no sense except for the fact that the bigger teams and just all the teams in general are scared to lose the slice of the pie that they get every single season when an 11th team comes in. The release that F1 had done, the press release, states three major reasons on why they rejected Andretti's bid, and we're going to get into it right now. The first reason, and in my opinion, all of these reasons are absolutely bullshit, but hey, in the comments, let me know if F1 has valid reasons or if they're just, you know, scared, essentially, to bring in another team. The first one is the Andretti F1 team would not bring enough worth to Formula One. Do they not realize who Michael Andretti is? Even if he is just mainly in the US, the motorsport, the history he has, the pedigree of the racers that have been attached to his company, how many championships his companies have won, his cars, his sponsors, and the overall knowledge that he would bring to motorsport racing in 26. And they're still saying that he will not bring enough worth to Formula One. They also state because he's a new team, he would not be competitive enough. Are you fucking kidding me? Have you looked at the bottom five teams in Formula One? Like, seriously, you're saying that Andretti is not going to be that Haas of all teams is going to be more competitive than the Andretti F1 team. Are you fucking high? There's absolutely no way in the history of F1 on God's green earth that Andretti would be outperformed by Haas. There's goat or there's go-kart tracks here in Calgary that would outrace the Haas F1 team. At least they're more consistent. At least they're better managed than Haas is. Are you kidding me? Like, there's no way that you can stand and look someone in the eye when you tell them this. It wasn't a press release. It wasn't a meeting like you see in hockey or football when something massive happens. There's no reporters. It was just a statement let out that they would not be competitive enough. Okay, sure. Maybe they're not going to be fighting Red Bull for the number one seat. They may not be fighting for the top three seats against Mercedes and Ferrari. Okay, that's... Kind of to be expected when you're a, air quotes, rookie team. But I will absolutely guarantee you they're going to be better than Haas. 
they're going to be better than Salva. Oh, wait, sorry. Kick. Oh, wait. Or what name are they this weekend? We have absolutely no idea. They're going to be better than Alpine, the French company that can't get out of their own fucking way to actually evolve their team and their car to win races. Oh, no, wait. But then they're not going to be fast enough than Visa Cash App RBF1 team, a team that changes its name more often than they change their goddamn tires. And they're at best a middle of the grid team. But no, no. Andretti Corporation, who has hundreds of years of racing history and evolution and experience. Oh, no, they're not going to be better than those teams. They're not going to be competitive enough. Go fuck yourself. Are you actually serious? And the last reason is the worst reason of all. There's not enough room for an 11th team physically on the grid. That may be true for some of the smaller, and I'm smaller in air quotation, smaller events. But maybe you've got so many tracks in rotation that you don't want to upset a certain country or a certain city. Hey, maybe you take out some of those smaller tracks and revitalize the track selection itself. Maybe you don't need 24 races in an entire season. How about you have 11 teams and let's say you do 18, 19 races. They're bigger races. They're not so many street tracks. They're not so, you know... Ikea put together, take down easy. Maybe you actually have to invest and build in actual tracks that are built for F1 or MotoGP racing. F1, imagine that. A proper race circuit where you can have actual competitions for other teams and companies who have proven their worth, who have paid the ridiculous amount of money that you're requesting them to have liquid to pay out the rest of the teams make sure you have all this paid off make sure you have all that paid off andretti's done all of that they've passed through every hoop crossed every t dotted every i and this is the bullshit excuse that you come up why you don't want andretti in f1 this 100 confirms in my eyes and i'm sure in many other fans eyes that not only is cash king but some of these teams are just so scared of actual competition that they may actually have to compete and maybe actually have to try and not just sit there and get paid out because F1 is such a massive team that they're just scared that they're not going to make as much money because then you have to spend money to make money. So after all of that, what's the next step? Well, there's a couple things that Andretti can do. He can... Uh, he can put in a, like F1's version of right to review, be like, Hey, this isn't fair. Like we've got all of this stuff done. How can you just say that you're not allowed? You're not letting us in or what I think is the more reasonable option, but I don't necessarily like this option is Andretti can come in and buy Haas because they're the, they're the lowest totem pole in F1. This team sucks. They just got rid of Gunter Steiner. I guarantee you some sponsorships are going to leave. It's only a matter of time before that team is done anyways. Gene Haas puts in the smallest amount of effort and money possible to keep that team going. Just because F1 is so much popular, he's making money on that team when he sells it. It's still going to be cheaper for Andretti to buy Haas, which is fair. But Andretti has everything set up for himself already. Which means, do you want to be the guy that walks in and be like, hey, I bought this team. Uh, by the way, including the drivers, you're all fired. You don't want to be that guy. It would look really, really bad on Andretti, but that's at this point the only business move that this man can do realistically. 
Will he do it? I I want to say no. I want to say he's going to stick to his guns and get his own team. And But F1's made it so incredibly difficult for him to do it that this is going to scare any other potential investors or interested parties in getting their own F1 team. If Andretti can't do it at this point, no one can. I think this is massively going to hurt F1 100%. But again, I don't think that Andretti's going to buy Haas out just for the fact that it's almost, it's it's picking at low-hanging fruit. Everybody knows what Gene Haas is doing, and you don't want to give him the satisfaction of letting him make money on something he has put almost no effort into at all. So I hope this isn't the end for Andretti's bid to get into F1. Maybe he tries again in 25. Uh, maybe he tries a different strategy going around it. I mean, I have no idea. This would, At this point, this would be a legal action. Maybe he moves to remove some of the standing board members in F1. Being like, hey, this is not realistic. You're not helping grow the sport. You're actually helping it stagnate. And this is going to kill the sport eventually. Maybe he goes that route. He is a very intelligent businessman. He hasn't gotten where he is by being scared of a fight to be cowardly. And we all know that an Andretti, when it comes to motorsport, they know more than almost everybody out there. Moving along. Uh, when I was talking about the 2026 cars that they're not allowed to work on them anymore, that obviously means that they're not allowed to work on the aerodynamics, uh, any kind of engine development, uh, brake ducts, all that kind of stuff. But they're still allowed to obviously work and develop the cars for the 24 and 25 season. Part of that is that each car has to go through a crash test. It's kind of like what you see with Ford and you know Toyota and all this kind of stuff. You see sometimes the crash videos on either how safe the car is or where there's a defect and people get hurt. F1 does the exact same thing. And the reason for that is, is if some of you remember, there was an incident last season, it was last season or the season before, uh, Joe Guan Yu ended upside down, ended up flipping it into the, to the, the safety barrier in a race. Because of the safety features that were added to the car, he was unharmed. He was able to get out of the car and continue on. Nobody died. Uh, he was a little shaken up, no broken bones, something like that. In 20, I believe it was 2021, there was an incident between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Max ended up going sideways into the wall. At, and he, when he stopped, he registered 53 Gs. Like it was a massive impact. Literally half of his car was gone. So the reason why they do all these safety features are for incidents like this. These guys are going at insanely fast speeds. And as some people you know, would say, it's not the speed that kills you. It's the sudden stop when you hit an object. So you hit an object in testing as fast as these cars can go. Something fails, you get it fixed, it passes, you keep it. It's pretty simple. But as of the testing for the 2024 season, we're seeing a bit of a trend. Two out of the 10 teams at least have publicly announced that their some of their testing has failed repeatedly, which is making them go back to the drawing boards. Uh, the newest one is Alpine. Their side crash test had officially failed as of last week. They have their car reveal on February 7th. So it's not exactly a whole lot of time to get this stuff fixed and able to show the public, hey, this is the car that we are safely using for our drivers along with any other additions and upgrades that they have. 
At the same time, Red Bull had some issues. They had two front failed crash tests, which means the nose didn't, and the front end of the car essentially, either did not absorb enough of the impact, it absorbed too much of the impact, or the way the structure of the front of the car was, that it just didn't help in any sort of way. It just kind of disintegrated. It's good that they're getting this out, obviously, in development and R&D. That's what they paid the big money for. And you want to keep the drivers, the fans, and everybody that's around safe. That's, that's kind of a given when it comes to motorsport racing. My only question is, and I, I may be the only one maybe looking a little bit too deep into this. Maybe it's a little bit of a tinfoil series or feeling. But with these teams and all the other teams on the grid, are they pushing the limit of development maybe just a little bit too far? Are they literally on that knife edge of what's safe? but what's aerodynamic and fast. If Red Bull and Alpine are the only teams that failed these crash tests and they were big enough to be announced, okay, then you know you know where that edge is. If you go over one way or the other, it's not going to work. If you go too far over, it's not going to work, which is beneficial for every single team on the grid where, okay, front end, if you design it like this, if you put the components together like this, it's going to fail. You can't use it. It's not safe. You put the side pods together like this, you trim this much weight off, whatever the case may be, it's gonna fail. Everybody learns and everybody stays safe. My concern for the 24 and 25 season before the new regulations for 26 come in is that maybe some teams are pushing that envelope a little bit too far. When we see crashes, and there are going to be crashes in 24 and 25, it's just, it's something that happens. It's motorsport, you cannot stop a crash. It's, I think it would be the first time ever in F1 history where you'd go through an entire season and nobody crashed for any reason whatsoever. My, my thought and what I hope does not come true is that this, the crashes that we're going to see, it's not only going to see the carbon fiber parts everywhere, but the structure of the car is going to be so aerodynamic and so sleek and they're trying to get a lighter weighted car that I don't want to see, but we might see a few more shaken up drivers and potentially some drivers missing races due to injury. You want to go fast. You really do, but you got to stay safe. Not only for the drivers, but like I said, for the marshals, for the fans, for every other, everything else around other drivers, yourself as well. I do believe there is a limit to how much you can shave off for weight how thin yet strong you can make components. Because we all see when you get a small tear in the side pod, like there was an issue with Red Bull in 22, a small hole that was no bigger than a baseball for the speed that they're going by the time the race was done or by the time the car had to stop, the entire side pod was gone. It just rips it off that easily. Maybe if we do see a couple of crashes this season that the FIA and F1 will realize that some teams are taking it a little bit too far, that they have to adjust the guidelines, maybe even for 2025 season or even 26, revise them again, where there are certain limits that you cannot surpass. And if you are just on that edge, you can't find another way to, you know, kind of circumvent that measurement by doing something else to the car. Maybe there needs to be a little bit more black and white standards on how safe these cars need to be, or maybe they've actually just hit the limit of the design of this car on how fast they can go. They do have a tendency to change the shape of the cars every so often. I mean, they did it recently. They're set for a new set of regulations in 26. Maybe we see another brand new updated shape by then. 
but hopefully Alpine will get their car uh, issues fixed by the 7th where you will see a brand new car. Uh, general um, preseason testing starts on the 21st of February, so they do have some time to get things more tweaked. As far as I've been able to tell and research and ask the right questions, Red Bull does have the front of their car nose fixed, so they've got all of the cross crash sensors where they need to be. They've passed all the tests, so they should be all good from there on. And last but not least, going into the topic of I mentioned preseason testing, it is officially the month of car reveals. That is right. The circus that is car reveal season is about to start. Uh, today is February 1st. The first car reveal is February 2nd, and it is the Haas reveal. Uh, there isn't any time on when they're going to reveal the car. Also, further research has figured out and sleuthing and being a fantastic detective that I am. If you if it's an early release, don't get up early to watch it because they're really it's an online reveal only. So their Twitter, their YouTube page, um, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Their social media will have it everywhere. If you want to watch it live, they're not revealing a brand new car. Surprise! Haas is doing it the Haas way. They are just revealing a new livery. So what is that? Essentially, they're revealing the new colors and paint on the car. That's it. The car that you see may or may not have very small tweaks to it. And when it comes to car reveals, especially when it comes to online car reveals, it's very short. There's a lot of graphics. You see the color, flashing lights. You're not meant to see a whole lot. It's not like Aston Martin. It's not like Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull, where you see the drivers standing there and it's a long look at the car from different angles. They're very proud to show it when it is a livery or color scheme reveal. A lot of flashing lights. Ooh, ah. Uh, expect it to be maybe five minutes. Ten minutes at the absolute most. You're not going to see the drivers. You probably won't see the new uh, team principal or anything like that. They're just revealing colors because they don't have a fucking car. Because it's Haas doing Haas things. Preseason testing after that, February 21st to 23rd. Uh, what I'm most excited for, Drive to Survive, Season 6, comes out on February 23rd. Uh, we're going to round off the month, the very first race of 2024. We're doing the February 29th to uh, March 2nd weekend. It is the Bahrain Grand Prix. So, Haas. Tomorrow morning, February 1st, and then after that, it is going to be a deluge of teams kicking off. Kick and Williams will be on the 5th, uh, Alpine on the 7th, Visa on the 9th, Aston Martin on the 12th, Ferrari on the 13th, McLaren and Mercedes both on the 14th, and Red Bull is the last team to reveal on the 15th. Now, if you want to see the actual Haas car they're doing a preseason run and what they call a shakedown so essentially what it is is that Haas has rented the track on February 11th in Bahrain because that's where the generally where the most of the training or the practice starts um, that is generally broadcasted you're going to see the car live in action you're going to see the windscreen tunnels on that or the wind tunnel the windscreens on them 
Uh, essentially what that does, it tells them where the wind flow is going over the car. You, Any new parts you're going to see, you're going to see on the shakedown day. You're not going to see on the livery day tomorrow, either morning or afternoon. I'm not too sure. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be watching. I just want to see what the new colors look like. Um, you know, it's just kind of the perfect way to start off the month. And just like last season and the season before, I will have all new episodes revealing what I think of the new cars, any new changes that I've noticed, maybe potentially driver lineups, you never know. Uh, and I, as always, I want your guys' questions, comments, concerns about the cars, the drivers, the teams, any questions I can ask. I love the fan interaction. So until next time, stay tuned to F101 for all the news and updates that you need to know in the world of Formula One.